nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Rosie. How beautiful and how precious. And thank you, Andrew, for leading us around communion today and refocusing, refocusing us again on what matters the most. The precious blood of Jesus, washing and cleansing and covering us. This is our righteousness and this is our plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, so glad to be able to come into your home uh, today until the day soon when we can all gather back here in the living room of uh, our church family. It's wonderful to be in your living room or wherever you are right now. Our theme is open. Come on, somebody. Let's open. Let's open. Our theme is open. Our Bible is open. Our heart is open. And our mouth is open. And the words that are in our mouth are forceful and powerful. And this is what we have been discovering. And this is what we have been learning. That our mouth has words, and words are forceful. With our tongue, with our mouth, we open our mouth, and forceful and powerful words are what come out of our mouth. God created the world with his word. In the beginning was the word. God said, God said, we read in the Bible, thus says the Lord, and the Lord says, God says. What God says is the most important thing in the world. What the Lord says, what God says, what God has decreed, what God has said, there's nothing on this planet that matters more than what God says. Jesus in Luke 21 and 33 said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. What God says, Jesus said, the words of God are stronger than the foundation of the planet that we are standing on today. The very foundation underneath us will fall and fail before any word of God would fall or fail. Jesus said, what I say will not pass away. So what God says is the most important thing in the world. But what you say is the second most important thing in the world. What do you say? One time, when Jesus was off praying by himself, we read in Luke chapter 9 and verse 18, his disciples were nearby, and he asked them, he said, what are the crowds saying about me? about who I am. What do they say? What are they saying? They said, John the baptizer. Uh, others say you're Elijah. Uh, still others say that you're one of the prophets from long ago that has come back. And then he asked them, and you, what are you saying? What do you say about me? Who, who am I? And of course, Peter answers, oh, you're Yeshua Messiah, you are the Messiah of God. But Jesus asked the question, what do you say? What are you 
saying. Because life and death are in the power of your words. So how are you speaking? How are you using words that contain life and death? Words that can build or break. Uh, What do you say? What are you saying? What are you speaking? How are you talking? What he says matters most, but what you say matters next. What are you saying to God? What are you saying to others? To your children or your spouse or or your neighbors? What are you saying to yourself? What are you saying to the devil? A.W. Tozer said, I talk back to the devil. I read a book with that title by A.W. Tozer. I talk back to the devil. What are you saying to your mountains? I love what Joyce Meyer said. She said, I quit talking about my mountain and I started talking to my mountain. Now that's powerful because words are powerful. And Jesus says in Mark 11 and verse 23, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done will have whatever he says. Family, what you say is significant. You, your mouth can move a mountain. What you say can stop a storm. Your word can create a world. I want you to lay hold of this. I want you to grasp this right now. Maybe even if you would say with me, if you are comfortable or whatever situation you're in, but I just want this to get into your soul. Say this with me. My mouth can move a mountain. My mouth can move a mountain. My speech can stop a storm. My word can create a world, a world of affirmation or or defamation. We're talking about the power of our words, and we've walked back into a teaching that I brought some years ago from the book called The Ten Most Powerful Words That We Can Say. And so we're looking at how powerful our words are. I can move a mountain with my mouth. I can stop a storm with what I say. I can create a world with my words. And so what are, one time I sat before God asking him, well, Lord, if words are so powerful, what are the most powerful words I could ever say? And I wrote down these 10 thoughts as, as, as God spoke to me. Number one, I believe. What is more powerful than saying I believe when Jesus says, In Mark chapter 9 and verse 23, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. You see, I believe moves me into a world of miracles. I believe lifts me up out of of the, 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 the concrete world. I believe moves me into a place where anything can happen in God, where miracles are real. I believe. Jesus said in Luke 18 and verse 27, what is impossible, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And that's where I move. I move into a place where anything is possible with God, where miracles can happen because God is. 
And when I say I believe, I move into the realm where there is nothing impossible for me. The moment I say I believe, all things, every dream, every hope, every prayer, every aspiration, every thought of my heart, all things become possible when I decree and declare I believe. And then I care. And how powerful is this? I care. It's the people that care that change things. The people that care change the world. I care. When I say I care, I decree that it's not about me, that my life is about much more than me. It's about you. It's about others. I care. I care. Takes my focus off myself, and I no longer am the, the center of my focus. I'm not self-centered. When I care, when I care, it's Christ's character that is coming through me. Caring is how I kind of save myself In other words, I live with an outward focus, an other's focus. I don't save myself like the cross saves me, but I kind of save myself from myself because my focus is not myself when I care. When the good Samaritan came by that Jericho road and saw the man who had been robbed and beaten and left half dead, Jesus tells that story. Jesus says that when he came by, he felt pity and knelt beside him. He felt pity and knelt beside him. When we care, that feeling of caring, that feeling turns into our kneeling beside someone who's broken, a stranger. Care, literally, that pity, that caring, that kneeling and feeling moment changed the world, changed the life for that man on the side of the road. And what happened to that Samaritan is what happens to you and to me when we care. You will feel and you will kneel beside someone and you will help them and you will help change their world. And then number three, I forgive. Now this is the key to living free and and light and and unencumbered and happy. It's, It's great. This is how we live a wonderful life by saying and decreeing, I forgive. This is the key to living a life of freedom. Freedom. If you want to live freely and lightly, then you must forgive. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 30, he said, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So I forgive because I know that human beings are just like me. They have faults. They can be offensive. They can do and say things that hurt. And that's just the human race. That's just, the, that's just how it is. It's the reality. And people are going to offend me in my life. And I hate to say it, but I'm going to offend someone else with my life. And I don't like that. I wish that wasn't the case. But it is. This is just the reality. And you're going to be offended. And you better know you're going to be offended. So you need to have a strategy in place for the offenses that are going to come. If you do not deal with the offenses, it won't be long till you're under the fences, if you understand what I'm, what I'm saying. No, no, I make allowances. Just like I want people to please make an allowance for me, 
and my humanity and sinfulness at times, I also need to make allowances for others. And we read this in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. What a power this is to know that there is nobody who could ever hurt me so bad that I can't forgive them. I'm going to forgive anyone who offends me no matter what the offense is. And it's all based on this solid foundation. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive. So, I mean, it's just a no-brainer. He forgave me, so I must forgive. And as a Christian, we live in the unbroken flow of God's amazing grace and constant forgiveness. You wake up like I do every morning with mercies that are new. Great is the faithfulness of God. Every morning we wake up with a forgiving God who's wiped and who's, who's, who's acquitted us, who's, who's absolved us, who's forgiven us. And we lay our head down at night on a pillow covered under the wings of the Almighty, forgiven and covered and cleansed. This is the world we live in. Forgiveness is the air we breathe. And then Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 14. But if you do not forgive, if you don't do this, if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Well, man, that does it. Because there is no way I am going to hold something against a man that would cause me to still be guilty before God. Forget what he did. That's temporal. He's going to die. I'm going to die. It's all going to. But this is forever. And if I can't have this because I don't do this, then it's just a no-brainer. I'm doing this so I can have this. I forgive Unforgiveness causes the root of bitterness. The root of bitterness springs up the tree of trouble. The tree of trouble produces the fruit of defilement. And that's what you have to live with all of your life if you won't and don't forgive. Now today, I want you to remember, you can move a mountain with your mouth. You can stop a storm with what you say. You can create a world with your words. And so we're talking about the 10 most powerful words you can say. And so today I'm talking about number four, I need. I need. I need. Saying I need keeps my heart in a place of humility. I need. I need says, I'm not enough by myself, on my own. I need. I need God. I need help. I need you. I need the body of Christ. I need prayer. I need forgiveness. I need grace. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I need, I need. There's no such thing as a self-made man. We are all where we are today because of others and because of help that has come into our life from others. To say, I need, keeps my life in perspective and it keeps me from pride. 
It allows me to live an authentic Christian life. And I don't have to pose and pretend and act because the truth is, I need, I need, I need, I need. I'm weak and I need, I need help. I need strength. Two men went up to the temple to pray. This is what Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. The other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. The proud and the arrogant think they have no need. The man who says he is self-sufficient and doesn't really need anything or anyone not only is he deceived in that thought, but he's pompous, he's presumptuous, he's pretentious, and the Bible says he's puffed up. And yet here is what we read about the almighty, exalted, glorious one in Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. I dwell in the high, eternal, and holy place with him who has a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. This is who God keeps company with. God resists the proud, but he draws near and he gives grace to the humble. Imagine living with such pride that God himself would resist me. But imagine living with such contrition or awareness of need or humility that God would lift me up into that exalted place where he is and dwell there with me and allow me to dwell there with him. When Jesus came 
to the Jordan River. All the crowds had gathered and Jesus came walking up and there they all were there in the river, around, around the river and Jesus worked his way through the crowd until he stepped on the bank of the Jordan. And then Jesus stepped down into the river and he walked out to the middle and he said, baptize me, John. And John said, oh, no, I need you to baptize me. And you're asking me to baptize you? I need, see, in Matthew 3.14, John tried to prevent him saying, I need you to baptize. I need to be baptized by you. And you're coming to me. John said, I am not worthy to stoop down and undo the sandals of him. And John would go on to say, I need to become less and less. And he needs to become more and more. I need to decrease and he needs to increase. I think John got it. I think John understood it. He was bold. He was burly. He was big. But there was this humility and this contriteness. And John confessed his need. I need. Now you compare that to the church in the book of Revelation. The church of the Laodiceans. Where Jesus says, because you say, because you as a people, you as individuals in this church of Laodicea, because you say, I am rich and I have become wealthy and I have need of nothing. You know, there's such deception in this. Jesus says, you don't know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. There's a blindness that comes to us when we live under this deception that I don't need anything. I don't need anyone. This was the state of the lukewarm, half-hearted, apathetic church of Laodicea. I do not want to go to church in Laodicea. I do not want to be a member of the church of Laodicea. You see, it's a powerful thing to acknowledge your need. And it's amazing. It's amazing what will come to you when you say, I need, I need. James, the apostle, chapter 4, verse 2, James said, you have not because you ask not. And then Jesus in Matthew 7, 7 said, ask and it will be given to you. All of the resources of God and man become available to the person who asks, to the person who says, I need I need, there's something about those words that begin to unlock resources 
that will come to you and help you and lift you and bless you and cure you. Let me show you how this works. On the last Sunday night of August in 1997, at 9.30 in the evening, I remember that night so well, I can picture it, I can visualize what happened in the service that night. We were showing, uh, we were performing the evangelistic uh, drama called Heaven's Gate and Hell's Flame, and it was so powerful. But that night in my office when most everyone had gone home, I made a phone call, and I called a very young Robert DeMartin, and I asked him if he could please come back up to the church and speak with me. And so Rob came into my office, and we just had a real difficult time in our accounting area, and the man who was overseeing those accounts was going through a very personal struggle that was affecting us and I laid out the last business report finance report I laid it out for Robert because I knew he had been helping us volunteering helping us and I said Rob I said how much of this there was pages of it I said how much of this did you do and he took it in his hands and he looked at me. He had actually thought I'd called him up because Sonia had done something. He, he thought, uh-oh, Sonia's got me in trouble or something like that. I don't know why he would think anything like that. But anyway, so Rob, he's going through. The, and I remember Rob set the thing back down and he looked at me and he said, Pastor Jack, he said, I, I prepared all of that. And I said these words to Rob. I said, Rob, I need... I need you and your expertise and your integrity. I need you to come on. I need you to step out of the business world, out of your career with Pioneer, where he was, you know, climbing that ladder. So much so that sometime later, a few years later, I met one of his bosses who was still dirty at me. He was still mad at me, you know, for, for Rob leaving them. But I said, Rob, I need, I need you. I need you to come on our team. I need you to step out of this world and into the ministry world. You're not going to make near the money. But Rob, I need you. I need your help. I need you to quit your job and become our business manager. I need. We need. And you know, those two powerful words that night brought two of the most fantastic, powerful people into our world, Robert and Sonia. When we say, I need, all of the resources of heaven and earth potentially become available to us with that decree. I need places me in a position of provision. You need to place yourself in a position of provision. And that's what I need. That's how powerful th these words are. Those words are so powerful that they begin to open provision for you. I need breaks my pride and it allows me to walk 
humbly before God. And that is the whole duty of man, according to Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. For he has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy and kindness, and to walk humbly before your God. I need. And of course, the greatest need that all of us have is that need that Andrew was speaking of around communion, and that is for a Savior to come and to do for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. I need someone to make me right with God because I could never be right with God in a thousand years doing a thousand things. I could never have, I could never undo. I could never be right in, my, in God's sight without a Savior. I need, I need, I need. And so there's this Christianity that I want to live. And I want all of us to live it together here as a church family. It's authentic Christianity. It's not perfect Christianity. I screw up perfect Christianity the minute I step in the room. And so do you. It's not perfect Christianity. It's authentic Christianity from a God who loves us. I need. There's something so powerful when husbands and wives and children and parents and members of the body of Christ and people who walk before the Lord acknowledge, you know what? I need. And there's something really precious here because the moment we confess our need, our hands are open to receive provision from God and from others. And I want to close with this passage of Scripture. It's in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. So here's the person who says, I need. And here's the promise from God's word. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. All of that comes to me. All of that is open to me. All of that is available to me. When I decree, I need. I believe. I care. I forgive. And I need. You can move a mountain with your mouth. You can stop a storm with what you say. You can create a world with your words. Now next Sunday is Mission Sunday, but we're going to come right back after Mission Sunday, and I'm going to talk about the next, whew, you talk about going deeper, we're going deeper. When we begin to confess, I submit. Whew. All right, let me pray. Whew, let me pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the beautiful family of God, for those who are watching today, for uh, our brothers and sisters, the family we miss being together with, Lord. And I just pray that each one today would understand how powerful, how wonderful, how amazing you are and how powerful and amazing things are with words that we speak.
Father, let us begin to speak with one another with deep, deep conviction that our words are forceful and our words are powerful. And I pray this message today, this thought today of confessing our need would cause us to live with you in a very high and lofty place, but here and among ourselves in a lowly and a contrite place and a place of humility. Bring healing today. Bring help today. Let somebody's whole life change today because they listened to this message. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.